This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Today's message comes from Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Amen. Um, I remember several years back and, and a couple times throughout my life, an attempt to be better disciplined at giving thanks to God and have a more gratitude, a heart of gratitude, I did this uh, 100-day Thanksgiving campaign. And what it is, is, is like this, you buy this little journal, and in this journal you, at the top, it has the date, and then one, two, three, four, five. And the idea is every night you'd write in the date, and you would write down five things you were thankful for during that day. And uh, I just remember, you know, starting off, it was great, right? Every night I'm in my bed, you know, Lord, thank you for my health, for my family, for my friends. And it would go good for a couple weeks. But every time I tried to do this, eventually I would hit a wall. I would hit a wall and I would struggle to be diligent in writing in this Thanksgiving journal. And most of the time I recognize when I look back, it's because I would either get too busy and or most of the time, it was because I would face a trial, or there was something in my life that would happen that really challenged me and pushed me, and all of a sudden, I would find myself being less grateful. I would find myself having more difficult coming up with things to write in this journal. And just the sheer discipline of trying to write down everything every night of what I'm grateful for really did not help my heart become more grateful to God. And I think this is a lot of our experience. We go back and forth between having a grateful heart and an ungrateful heart, right? We say, Lord, thank you for my job. We thank you for my family, for all these things. But then all of a sudden, this trial comes, this challenge comes. Something in your life occupies your heart and consumes your mind, and you get distracted from all the good things that God has, gotten in, has given you in your life. And so it, it overshadows uh, the gratefulness that we should have towards God. So you go back and forth between these two states, right? When everything is going well, when everything is going good, the circumstances are great, we have an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving. But when things get tough, when things aren't as pleasant, our hearts quickly get cold and we lose that heart of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul tells us to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But the question is, how do we do this? We just established that our hearts go back and forth. It is difficult to be grateful in all circumstances. And so today, as we look at Psalm 100, this very well-known psalm, we're going to learn how it is that we as Christians can be grateful in all circumstances. This psalm is titled, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. And in it, we're going to find the true heart of thanksgiving. 
So first we're going to start off with the invitation to Thanksgiving. The invitation to Thanksgiving. Psalm 92 to Psalm 100 is a short collection of psalms called the Yahweh Malak, meaning the Lord is King. And then in these psalms, you'll find these confessions that the Lord is sovereign, that he is creator, he is king over all, and he is in control. It's these beautiful confessions of who God is. And along with these confessions, you're going to see exhortations to shout out to God, to praise him, to to make a joyful noise to him. And today's passage, Psalm 100, it closes off this small section of the Psalms with this invitation to come before God, and as verse 4 says, to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. That is the invitation to us as believers. Another way to look at the Psalms is theologians uh, or scholars break it down into five different books. So there's book one, two, three, four, and five. And when you look at book three, which is Psalm 73 to 89, what you'll find in this section of the Psalms are cries out to God. The psalmist is in distress. His heart is broken and he is pleading with God. Because at that time, what was happening was Israel was exiled. The Psalms were written during a period where Israel had been conquered by a foreign enemy There was no king, no throne, no temple, no priest, no sacrifices, no land, no Jerusalem. They were in complete, utter ruins. And you hear this psalmist cry out to God in agony and distress, How long, Lord, will you turn your face away from us? It is difficult circumstance, difficult times for Israel in this certain section of the psalms. But then, as you go into book 4, where Psalm 100 lands in, you'll see a maturation in the psalmist. You'll see a change in the type of songs and prayers that are being sung to God. And what it shows us is that believers are ones that can give thanks to God in all circumstances. Despite what's going on, we are able to joyfully give thanks to the Lord. So in Psalm 74, right, it's, it, it, the, the psalmist goes out, shouts out to the Lord, Oh God, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? 77, I cry out to God in the day of my trouble, I seek thee. In 79, how long, O oh Lord, how long? The psalmist is heartbroken. He cries out to God. But then what happens In 92, verse 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. In 93, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. In 95, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. You get the point. The Psalms show us this progression of lamenting, pouring our heart hearts to God during difficult circumstances but then eventually being able to shout out a confession, to confess that God is good, that he is king, and he is sovereign. The believer, they are able to give thanks and praise in any circumstances. You see, the world, the world gives thanks based on their circumstances, but a Christian is the one who can give thanks in all circumstances. 
This is what the psalm shows us. This is what the psalmist invites us to today. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So again, the question becomes, how do we, do, how do we get there? How do we get to that place? Just like the psalms show us. Because our natural tendency is to be grateful due to our circumstances. What we receive, what we gain, whether things are going well or not. If, we have favor, if things are favorable for us, our hearts are overflowing with thanksgiving. If not, we go into despair, anxiety, depression. Life is certainly not easy. Everything does not go the way we want. It gets messy. And we go through things in life. We're just like the psalmist. We're crying out to God, Lord, how much longer do I have to go through this? Do you not hear my prayers? Lord, answer me in my day of trouble. There are times where we are so broken and defeated that the last thing that comes from our lips is, Lord, thank you. It's hard to thank God in the midst of our difficulties. It is hard. Other times in our lives, we don't give gratitude because we're so busy. We're so caught up with the day-to-day of life that we fail to recognize that God is a provider of our good things. And then also, we have failed to give gratitude to our king because we have a contentment problem. Right? God provides us with a new job. We're like, Lord, thank you for providing. I've been wanting this job for so long. Or maybe he provides you with the one, right? He gives you Mr. Right or Mrs. Right, and you're like, Lord, thank you for this person in my life. But what eventually happens? You go out to work, and day in, day out, and all of a sudden you're clashing with this coworker or your boss. And every day becomes a struggle. And all of a sudden, those things become grumblings. Or you meet Mr. Mr. or Mr. or Mrs. Wright, and in the beginning, you're like, Lord, thank you so much for this person. She, he is a blessing in my life. But what happens after time? You quickly realize how difficult and challenging it is to maintain a relationship. And your prayers go from, Lord, thank you to this person, to, Lord, give me patience to deal with this human being. And you find yourself grumbling and struggling to be grateful for that person. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. If you're not content with what you have, you will not be satisfied if it were doubled. And I think that's true for all of us, right? We think, oh, you know what? If I just got an extra two, three million won a month to my salary, I'm going to be set, right? I can put away for savings. I can do this. I can buy that. But the reality is, you could double and triple your salary, but I guarantee you six months from now, a year from now, it's not going to be enough. You're going to find ways to spend that money, and you're going to find ways to say, I need more money. We have a problem with contentment in our heart. And so when our gratitude to God is based on our circumstances, what we have, what we've been given, our thanksgiving is subpar. Our thanksgiving is fickle, and is not fully honoring to God. So back to the question, how can we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and give thanks to him in the midst of all circumstances? And the answers are found in verse 3 and 5. The reason for thanksgiving. Now, as preparing for this message, uh, I ran into a pastor who used Jonathan Edwards uh, to, to speak on this passage. And uh, 
Jonathan Edwards was an uh, American preacher, a theologian from the 1700s. And, it, and he has a book called Religious Affections. It's a very well-known book uh, among seminarians. Um, and in this book, he describes gratitude into two different categories. There's the natural gratitude and there's a gracious gratitude. Now, natural gratitude is a gratitude that anyone could give. Whether they know God or not, natural gratitude is something we all do as humans. And that's giving thanks for the good things in life, right? Thank you for my family. Thank you for the beautiful weather. Thank you for lattes. Thank you for sports. Just the things we joy in life, the average person, whether they know God or not, is able to be thankful for it. But gracious gratitude is completely different. Gracious gratitude starts from a different place. It, gracious gratitude is only given by those who know God and have tasted his grace. And it begins not with what God has given us, but it begins with who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. This is gracious gratitude. It's not, it doesn't begin with what has been given to us, but it begins with who God is and what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. This is the mark of the true Christian. This is the way we are able to give thanks in all circumstances. This is gracious gratitude. It's not dependent on our feelings, not dependent on our circumstances, but based on objective truth about who God is and what he's done for us. So let's look at the Psalms and what it says about God. Verse 3 and verse 5. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The psalmist invites us to know, to know that the Lord is God. When it comes to thanksgiving and gratitude, yes, there are feelings involved. So we are moved to thanksgiving to God. But again, the problem is when we don't have those feelings. So what do we do? We don't depend on our feelings or circumstances. We go to what we know about God and who he is. It's not our circumstances. It's not our feelings. It's not about mustering up the courage to say, yeah, Lord, things suck right now, but thank you anyways. No, it's about turning our minds to who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. The true heart of gratitude is based on objective truth about God, who he is, and what he's done for us. That is the true heart of gratitude. And so what does the psalmist say? He says that the Lord is God. He is creator. He is sovereign. He is holy. He's set apart and he is the one who created us. That alone should be enough reason to make God worthy of our praise and thanksgiving. But it goes further, right? It says, not only did he create us, we are his people. We are his people. We are his. And this didn't just happen. It came with a price. 1 Peter 2, 10 says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We have become God's people with a price. 
Jesus Christ. He is the mercy of God. We were once alienated, separated from God. We were enemies with him. There was nothing we can do to reconcile ourselves to him. But it was Christ who came when we were completely lost, completely broken, unable to pick ourselves up. And he lived a life that we could not live. He died the death that we should have died and paid the penalty for our sins on that cross. And he rose from the dead. And now we are forever his and he is ours. We are his people. We are his people. This is the gospel. Pure, undeserved grace. And it says that we are the sheep of his pasture. What do we know about sheep? I read something uh, that describes sheep like this, that they are dumb, directionless, and defenseless. Dumb, directionless, and defenseless. I'm not calling you guys dumb, directionless, defenseless. (laughs) But scripture says we are the sheep of his pasture. But isn't it kind of true if we're honest with ourselves? We can be foolish. We don't know where we're going, what we're doing with our lives sometimes. We feel completely helpless. But God, he is our good shepherd. He comes. He makes us his own. And he cares for us. He protects us. He feeds us. And he guides us to the day we reach heaven's gates. This is the basis for our gratitude. It's who God is and what he does for us what he's done for us in Jesus Christ. Verse 3 and 5 gives us the key to having gracious gratitude. This is how to be thankful in all circumstances, no matter what is going on in your life. So the deeper you dive into the truth of the gospel, the more gratitude will overflow from your heart. The deeper you dive into the truth of the gospel, the more gratitude will overflow from your heart. It's not about mustering up that courage and just saying, you know, yeah, Lord, thank you. It's about digging deep into the gospel. You know, Jonathan Edwards um, was a great revivalist preacher. Many came to know the Lord through him. He was a great theologian. He contributed many great works. But his time was actually cut a little too short. Jonathan Edwards died from smallpox inoculation at the age of 54. And 54 is much too soon, right? Some of us may be drawing near that age. Some of us have parents at that age. Regardless of the case, to go at 54, we would be devastated if we had a loved one go at that age. We would think, no, no, this is far too soon. But that's exactly what happened to Sarah Edwards, Jonathan Edwards' wife. She saw her husband go way too soon. But it was in this event that gave Sarah the chance to display this gracious gratitude. She wrote a letter to her daughter and her hus- as her, after her husband passed away. And the re- uh, letter read like this. What shall I say? A holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. Oh that, may, oh, that we may kiss the rod and lay our hands on our mouths. The Lord has done it. He has made me adore his goodness that we had him, your father, Jonathan, for so long. But my God lives, and he has my heart. Oh, what a legacy my husband, your father, has left to us. 
We are all given to God, and there I am and love to be. Your affectionate mother, Sarah Edwards. You see, Sarah wasn't in denial or delusion about the tragedy that had come upon her life. She says that a dark cloud has come upon her. She was stricken with grief. But despite her circumstance, despite, despite losing her husband, her loved one, her confession is this. My God lives and he has my heart. We are all given to God and there I am and love to be. This confession can only be birthed from knowing who you are in Jesus Christ, from knowing what he has done from you. And many of you have seen this around you, not from someone that passed away from hundreds of years ago, but you've seen a friend go through a tragedy, losing a loved one, and for some reason they are able to give thanks to God in that situation. You've seen people um, suffer through terrible sickness who might be dealing with cancer, but yet they still have a heart of gratitude. You see Christians who lose their homes, lose their jobs, can't put food on the table, and yet they praise God and thank God for what they have. Where does that come from? Does that describe you? Or is our gratitude so fickle that it depends on whether I get what I want and things are going the way that I want them to go? Church, I want to challenge you this afternoon. I know many of you may not feel like it. There are some of you in this room right now that are going through incredibly difficult times. Not trying to trivialize it. Just like Edwards. There is a dark cloud over some of us. It is hard to give thanks to God in spite of our circumstances. But I challenge you, I want to encourage you, gather up the courage to take a moment and look to God. Look to that cross. Go to the scriptures and read and learn and know about God and who he says he is. Look to that cross. And let that fill your heart with gratitude. Let that overshadow whatever is going on in your life so that you can shout out to God and praise him and thank him. Verse 5 says, he is good. It's his nature. God cannot do anything but be good. His steadfast love towards you endures forever. Preacher describes it as a never-ending ever-present, eternally increasing, constantly shaping, fiercely protective love. This is the love that God has for you. And his faithfulness endures to all generations. Even though we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Always, for eternity. He cannot change who he is. He is good, he is loving, he is faithful what God is, who God is, what he has promised you, this gives us assurance and hope that no matter what you're going through in your life, even if that dark cloud has come upon you, you can be grateful that he is yours and you are his. You know, King David was running for his life in the wilderness. He was running from Saul. It's a very difficult time for, Saul, uh, for David in his life. Very little to be grateful for. But his confession in Psalm 63 Three, it says, because your steadfast love is better than life, I will praise you. 
God's love is better than life. Anything this world has to offer you, anything you see before you, his love is so much greater. Seek to know him and who he is and let that love fill your heart and move you to thanksgiving and gratitude. And finally, we're going to uh, close with a response of thanksgiving. You know, for those who have tasted and experienced that love, there is a response. There is a response, a way we respond to that grace. And we'll read this in verses 1, 2, and 4, if you look down with me to Scripture. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. There are several exhortations here, several ways that we respond to what God has done for us, the way we respond to who God is. But today I want to just touch on on two of these. First, the proper response is to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, this is not a quiet, timid, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you've done. I'm so grateful. But the Hebrew here uh, shows us that it is a strongly vocal response to what God has done. And in other words, it's hold nothing back. Um, I've played the piano for nearly 12 years of my life. And I got pretty good at it at one point, but it's been so long that I'm terrible now. But uh, I would consider myself musically illiterate. I have an ear for music. Um, I'm not like a genius, but I'm pretty decent, and I, I can hear when notes are off and, and all that such. But despite having this long of experience with music, I am a terrible, terrible singer. Uh, <laughs> I'm a terrible singer. I, I can't hold a note for my life. I don't know what it is. It's just, I know I'm off, but I can't fix it. But regardless, when I'm up here and I think of what God has done for me and, when I, th- and I think of who he is, I don't let that hold me back. I just shout out, whether I'm off key or not, whether I'm off rhythm or not, I shout out and thank him. I shout out to him and praise him. And if you've sat near me, near the front row, you can give witness to this. My wife can give witness to this. But my heart is so overwhelmed with thanksgiving that it doesn't matter. Church, I encourage you, whether you have a good voice or not, shout out to God. Let nothing hold you back. Don't let your circumstances hold you back from shouting out to God. Sing out to him. He loves to hear from you. He loves to hear from you. When you shout out to him and rejoice to him, it gladdens his heart. And it says that he will also rejoice over us. Let's shout out a thanks to him. And second, tells us to come into his presence with singing and enter his courts with praise. There is no religion that advocates singing like Christianity does. No people make music to their faith like Christians do. Why? Because there is good news. Grace has entered our lives, 
and given us hope. It has given, our, given us life. And so we sing in celebration. We sing because of the gospel. And then when we, when we sing in response, there's something that happens. When we come together as a church like this and sing out to God, there is something that stirs in our hearts. Singing to God deepens and, and stirs our faith. Just think about it for a moment. What we do here is quite strange, isn't it? Take a moment to look at the people around you, especially Gospel City, right? We are a diverse group of people, all different denominations, all different walks of life, different backgrounds, different problems, but yet we come here together in one voice and sing to God. And why is that? Because today I came here, I realized that I'm a sinner, a wretched sinner saved by grace. You came here knowing that you are a sinner saved by grace. The person next to you came here realizing they are a sinner saved by grace. So we gather together and we sing to God and praise him for what he has done. And when we read those lyrics... We're not just throwing up words to melody. When we read those lyrics, we're reminded of what he has done. We're reminded of the cost that it of the cost that Jesus paid on the cross. We're reminded of his the depths of his love for us. And we're strengthened and encouraged. Right now, I want to invite Grace to come back up and lead us in a song before we respond in prayer. But before we sing, I want to read the psalm one more time for us. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. He is good. He can do no other. And his steadfast love remains forever, never changes. And his faithfulness is to all generations. Church, let's stand up and sing. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening, and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.